Good morning and welcome again to our service. We're very grateful that you're here today. We're always thankful to have visitors with us. Today's no exception. We encourage you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. As we say from time to time, it may be that you're looking for a church home. And if that be the case, then we want you. And we would love to have you come and join hands with us here at Olive Branch. It might be that you have some questions you'd like to ask the elders about the work, about your possible involvement in the work. And so if that be the case, I would invite you to meet with them, talk to them, ask them questions, and hopefully and prayerfully you'll decide to become a part of the work here. I do want to mention that tonight, as, as was said a moment ago, tonight our young men are going to be leading the service. And Jordan Sanders and Austin Pace are going to be speaking. And I want, I want them to know how proud of them I am that they're willing to speak. I was thinking a little bit earlier, had someone asked me at their age to speak, my answer would have been absolutely not. Not a chance. But I'm proud of them and their courage and their willingness and listen. They get butterflies like everyone does. And I know that they get apprehensive and nervous about standing in front of a, a group of people and speaking. But what we want them to know is we're behind them. And they will do a great job. They have, they have, they have been taught well, and they will just do an outstanding job. And not just them, but all of the men that participate. And We've had a lot of good speakers, and I'm, I'm proud of all of them. And as, as we've said from time to time, there are going to be some guys that come out of this congregation that preach one day. They're already preaching. And I can assure you there are going to be some guys that will one day preach. They may preach, teach, or do something else, but they're going to preach. Today I want us to look at John chapter 18. In John chapter 18... We have Jesus before Pontius Pilate. In this context, of course, Jesus is being tried and will ultimately give his life for the sins of the human family. Jesus announced to Pilate in the long ago that his kingdom was not of this world. He further said that he came to bear witness to the truth. And that spawned a question by Pilate. Pilate asked, what is truth? That's a good question. It's an important question. As we think about the question of Pilate, what is truth? I want us to just spend some time this morning and talk about truth. What is it? What, what does the Bible have to say about the truth that was asked by Pilate almost 2,000 years ago? Let me begin by giving you a definition of the truth. When we talk about truth, there are a lot of people that want to know, what is truth? I mean, what does it mean when we say, this is truth? Well, in John chapter 17, verse 17, Jesus said that the scriptures 
are truth. Listen to him. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Now there are a lot of terms that are used to describe the truth other than scripture. For example, Isaiah in chapter 40 at verse 8 said in the long ago, speaking of truth, he said it's the word of our God. Jesus, of course, in Luke chapter 8 verse 11 talked about the seed of the kingdom and he identified it as the word of God. In Ephesians 1.13, it is called the gospel. And then in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 25, it is identified as the word of the Lord. Those are, are terms that, that equate to truth. And so when we talk about scripture, we need to understand scripture is truth. The gospel is truth. The word of God is truth. The word of our Lord is truth. But let me just talk to you for a minute about the source of truth. Where did truth originate? Who is the originator of what we call truth or scripture? Well, Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So scripture is inspired of whom or by whom? By God. God is the author of Scripture. God is the one that has given unto us this book that we call the Bible. There are 66 books in the Bible. 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books. Each and every book is Scripture. Each and every book is the Word of God. Now, the source of truth, that being Almighty God. Peter would say in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. He goes on to say that holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The prophecy did not originate with man. That's what Peter's saying there. Mankind did not, did not come up with scripture of his or her own volition, but rather it originated with Almighty God. And he said, holy men of God spoke. They were literally born along by the Holy Spirit. They, they wrote down the truth of God. It was revealed to them. Paul in Ephesians chapter 3 talks about how he, he had received revelation from God. He said he took that revelation and wrote it down in a few words. Well, the words of scripture are the commandments of God. And those equate to the word of Almighty God. There is a third thing that I would call attention to, and that is the sufficiency of Scripture. Did you know that God has given to us everything that he wants us to know as it relates to our relationship with him? Listen again to what Paul said. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction, for correction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. So the word of God has the ability to make us complete. It instructs, it guides, it corrects, it reproves. It helps us to stay 
on that straight and narrow pathway. Now in 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter said that God has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In other words, everything that we need to know about life and godly living has been revealed in Scripture. We talk about the all-sufficiency of the Word of God. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 119, 105. He said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. What that says is that God, God's word gives light, direction, guidance. It also guards us. It helps us to be what God would have us to be. So we talk about a definition of truth. What is truth? But then... Let's think for a minute or two about the design of truth. Did God have an objective in mind in giving us his truth? Well, I think he did. You see, I think there is a reason why we have what we call the Bible. We talk about the Old Testament. Why is the Old Testament, why, why is it pertinent to Christian living? In other words, why, why do I need the Old Testament? Why do I need to read the Old Testament? Paul said in Romans chapter 15 verse 4 that those things that were written before time were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So I understand that the Old Testament is a benefit to me. We live today under the law of Christ. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2. It's called the perfect law of liberty in James 1 verse 25. So as we think about the design of truth and the objective that God had in mind, let's talk for a minute or two about the aim of truth. I want to begin by saying that the intent of truth is that we would build our lives around it. It is literally the foundation upon which we ought to build our lives. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus talked about the wise and foolish builders. You remember he said that the wise builder, he said the rains came, the floods, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not because it was founded upon the rock. And he likened that to a wise man. Well, what Jesus was saying is the wise man hears the word of God and does it. He's like that wise builder. He said, the foolish man, however, built his house upon the sand. He said, the rains came, the floods, the floods came as well, beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall thereof. What Jesus was trying to emphasize there is this. When we build on the truth of God, when we hear what he has said and follow it, then we're deemed wise in his sight. If we ignore the teaching of Scripture, then we're going to have catastrophic problems. Let me just say this. When we talk about the aim of Scripture, the ultimate goal, the ultimate aim of Scripture is to save you. God is interested in people. God wants people to be saved. Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, that God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. There is a correlation in Scripture and salvation. You can't be saved if you don't know the truth. Remember what Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free? When Paul wrote to the saints in Rome, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God to salvation. There's the correlation. 
You preach the gospel, you teach the gospel, people hear it and they obey it. When they obey it, what happens? They enjoy salvation. So the gospel is intended to save us. That's the design of the gospel. God wants us to be saved and then he wants us to stay saved. So the intent of, of truth, the aim of truth, to save us and then also to sanctify us. Listen again to what Jesus said in John 17, 17. Sancti sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. The word sanctify means to set apart. When we obey the gospel, we are set apart from the world and we belong to God. When, when, when you decided to become a New Testament Christian, God said, you belong to me, lock, stock, and barrel. You're mine, much like the firstborn under the old covenant, under the law of Moses. Today, Christians are the firstborn. We are the church of the firstborn. And what the Hebrew writer was saying there is that we belong to Almighty God. We're His. So we've been sanctified. We've been set apart from the world unto God. We belong to God. We are to live in such a way that we bring Him honor and glory. So God's, God's Word, it saves us. It sanctifies us. I would also suggest unto you that it supports us. Think about, think about the intent of this book. I said the intent is to save us and to keep us saved. But this book is really intended to guide and to regulate every facet of our lives. Look, look at our world today. Look at our country. And think about some of the problems that are going on in our, in our society. Could I say that one of the reasons why our society is literally upside down is because we've said we're not interested in this book any longer? When I was, when I was in elementary school, we had, we had daily Bible readings. We at least had weekly Bible readings. We had a weekly Bible class. When I was in the sixth grade and I went to a public school, I was given a copy of the New Testament. That was given to me. I've got it in my, in my desk today. When I was in elementary school, we said the Pledge of Allegiance every day. We had prayer. Look at our school system today. We have removed God from our school system. We have removed God in many facets of our government. And here's what I would ask. How's that working out? You know how it's working out? It's not. Our society is a mess because we have said, we don't need this book. We don't need the Bible. We, 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 can, we can handle things on our own. Look, look at the home today. Did you know that as the home goes, so goes the nation? If, if the home is in disarray, I guarantee you the nation will be in disarray. Now we talk about how truth supports. Think about marriage. Marriage is identified in Scripture as that which is between a man and a woman. And God said what 
he has joined together. Man is not to put asunder. Matthew 19, 6. God has said that parents are to rear their children in the Lord. Ephesians 6, verse 4. Many homes broken. Mamas and daddies not teaching the scriptures. Mamas and daddies not commanding respect or obedience in the home. And so what, what's, what's the consequence of that? Well, look at our society. Look at our nation. Look at the problems that our school system is having. Look at the shootings going on in our schools. We didn't have that when I was growing up. There has to be a correlation somewhere. We talk about how truth supports. You have, do you have problems with your marriage? Go to the scriptures. Do you have problems with your children? The child-rearing process, commanding respect and obedience? Go to the scriptures. Do you, have, do you have problems on the job? Go to the scriptures. Do you have problems with other people? Go to the scriptures. You see, the scriptures are intended to support. And then I think about I think about how difficult life is. There are a lot of things that we could say about life, but one of the things that is a given, it is tough. You can't make it alone in this life. You need God, and you need his word. Think about what the psalmist said many years ago. He said, God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, Psalm 46.1. The psalmist in the long ago, he said, this is my comfort in my affliction. Your word has given me life in Psalm 119.50. Think about people that have been tried and tested and tempted. Think about people in our world today. Think about people in the church that are experiencing pain and sorrow. Their lives are, are upside down. And yet they can go to scripture and find comfort and hope. That's why truth supports. Truth also strengthens us. When I think about going out into the world, I need to arm myself. I need to be able to withstand the advances of the world and the devil and the things that are going on in the world. That's why Paul said to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. God's Word is a defense mechanism. God's word helps me to stay strong and fit spiritually. Peter talks about growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How am I going to be spiritually strong if I don't know this book? When Jesus was met with temptation by the devil in the wilderness, Jesus responded three times by saying, It is written. The psalmist said, Your word have I laid up in my heart that I might not sin against you. So we take the word of God we make application, and we derive spiritual strength from that. And then there's another thing I would suggest. Truth will secure you. Let me ask this question. In this world, can you say that life is 100% foolproof? That you have 100% security in this life? Can't say that, can you? The bottom line is you can have the best alarm system, you can be cautious. You can do a lot of things to, to ensure your safety. But the bottom line is you can't be absolutely sure you're going, to be always, you're going to be safe always. Spiritually speaking, you can be secure. 
you can be absolutely sure of your security in Christ. In 1 John chapter 5, John said this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. This life is in his Son. He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Can I be secure in my relationship to Almighty God? Yes, I can. If I've been baptized into Christ and I'm living according to the will of God, if I'm walking in the light, listen, I have the assurance that I am saved, that I'm heaven bound. If anything happens to me here on planet earth, I'm going home to be with the Lord. That's security. Where does that security come from? It comes from knowing this book, the Bible. So the aim of truth, and then very quickly, the absolutes of truth. There are a lot of folks that say that truth is relative. There's no such thing as absolute truth. Let me ask this question. Who decides what's true or false? Where is the ultimate standard of right and wrong? Is there an ultimate standard of right and wrong? There are some people that say what's truth for you is not truth for me. Well, there is a standard. There are a lot of folks in our world today that say you can't know truth. There's just no way you can know it. Well, Jesus said you can know the truth. Paul said that when you read what he has written, you can understand his knowledge in the mystery of Christ, Ephesians 3. So we can know the truth. There are basic fundamental truths that emphasize this. Jesus died for our sins, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Can you understand that? Yes, you can. Jesus said, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Can you understand that? Yes, you can. So we can understand the truth. But what about this idea of absolute truth? Of there being a divine standard? Does the government have the right to say what that standard is? Are they the ones that make the laws and say, okay, this is right, this is wrong? You better not trust the government. The government may enact laws that coincide with Scripture. They may enact laws that conflict with Scripture. Let me give you an example. Abortion. Since 1973, Roe versus Wade, millions upon millions of abortions have been, well, have taken place in this country. I read where about 50 million abortions have taken place in this country, or heard that. Well, the Bible says that we have been fearfully and wonderfully made in Psalm 139, 14. God places a premium on human life. We talk about the sanctity of human life. The government says it's okay to abort that fetus. The Bible says it's not okay. The Bible says it's murder. So what's the truth? You better side with Scripture. Solomon said that God hates the hands of those who shed innocent blood in Proverbs chapter 6. That's truth. In Hebrews chapter 5, the writer talks about the importance of knowing the truth, of growing as a Christian. And he said one of the byproducts of growing as a Christian is that we might be able to discern between right and wrong, good and evil, truth and error. So what's that standard? It's 
truth. When, when Pilate asked the question, what is truth? That was a profound question. There are a lot of people today that grapple with this idea of truth, but we need to understand truth is absolute. What God has said stands. It is the final voice. It is the authority. It trumps any and every law, whatever that law might be. There's a third thing that I want you to see in our study today, and that is the duration of truth. First, I want to suggest that when we talk about Scripture, it's final. This is, as the Hebrew writer acknowledged in the long ago, the last will and testament of our Lord. Hebrews 9, 15 through 17. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, the writer said that God has spoken through his Son in the last days. The last days, simply a reference to the Christian age, the age that we now live in. We have the last will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has given us his will to govern our lives. When we talk about the fact that scripture is final, listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 89. He said, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. When we look at the Old and New Testaments, we need to understand that God's word, it's complete. There are no latter-day revelations, modern-day revelations. Everything that we need to know, it's right here in this book. And by the way, I don't have the right to tamper with this book. I'm not at liberty to alter or modify what we call Scripture. In Revelation chapter 22, verse, verses 18 and 19, John said, I testify to every man. He said, if any man adds to the words of the prophecy of this book, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. If any man takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part, or take away his name from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things that are written in this book. Now contextually, he's talking about the book of Revelation. But if you look at scripture as a whole, that, that idea runs throughout both the Old and New Testaments. We're not at liberty to add to or take from God's holy word. So, Scripture, it's complete, it's final. But there's another thing I want you to see, and that is Scripture, as we know it, will last forever. Think about life as we know it here and now. I want to ask this question. Do you know of anything this side of eternity that will, that will transcend into eternity? You know anything like that? Can you take your house with you? No. Can you take your automobile? No. What about your clothes? What about your money? Is there anything you can take with you to eternity? Not one thing. But there is one thing that will transcend, that will go into eternity. You know what that is? It's called the Bible. Did you know that the scriptures are forever? Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8, the word of our God endures forever. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will not pass away. Here's the plain truth, the bottom line. One day we're going to stand before God in judgment. 
In Revelation chapter 20, John saw the dead, the small and the great, standing before God. And he said, the books were opened. You know what books he's talking about? He's talking about the Old and New Testament books. Those who lived under the patriarchal period, they're going to be judged according to that law. Those who lived under the law of Moses will be judged accordingly. Those of us who live in the Christian age, we're going to be judged by the law of Christ. And so John said that the books were opened. He said another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of the things which were written in the books. Now, if this book will be opened in eternity, I want to ask you some questions. Number one, do you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God? If your answer is yes, but you haven't obeyed the gospel, my question would be why? What are you waiting on? You believe Jesus is the Son of God, why haven't you, why haven't you done something about it? Why haven't you responded to the gospel? Have you been baptized into Christ Jesus for the remission of your sins? If you say yes, wonderful. If your answer is no, what are you waiting on? Is it not the case that Scripture tells us we need to believe Jesus to be the Son of God. We need to be willing to be immersed in water so that our sins can be washed away. The answer is yes. Why do we need to do that? Because of salvation. Jesus said, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16, 16. Let me ask you a third question. Is your life in harmony with what this book teaches? You say yes. Great. It needs to be. What if your answer is no? If your answer is no, what are you waiting on? Look, this book's going to be opened one day. God's not going to judge you on the basis of human opinion. He's not going to judge you on the basis of what you think or what I think or what anybody else thinks. He's not going to judge us on the basis of what our government has dictated. He's going to judge us according to this book. Are you walking in the light? Does your life measure up to this book? If not, what are you waiting on? Are you living faithfully day in and day out? If God were to, to examine your life in light of this book, would you measure up? Somebody says, I'm not perfect, neither am I. I don't know anybody that is. We're not perfect, but we have the blood of Christ at work in our lives. And so as long as we're striving to do our best, John said the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. That is a promise based on 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. But if we're not giving our best, if we're not living as we should live, let me tell you what, we are on thin ice. We got real problems. Let me ask you another question. Let's just suppose that at 11 o'clock, Seven and a half minutes from now, the judgment would occur. Let's just imagine that we're standing before God and these books are opened. Where would we stand? Would God say, well done? Would he, would he call us a faithful and good servant? Or would he say, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire? I don't know when the judgment's going to occur. It may occur at 11 o'clock. may not. But the point is, you can wait too long. 
There are a lot of folks. They have waited too long. And the price, enormous. There are a lot of folks in eternity. Or if they had just one more, if they just had one more chance, they would do what they should have done a long time ago. But that, that opportunity's gone. Once you leave this world, it's over. It's done. It's history, as we say. That's why it's imperative to live for Jesus every day. What is truth? Truth will one day judge us. Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Paul said that the judgment of God is according to truth. Romans 2, verse 2. We'll leave everything that we own behind us. But this book, we'll see it again. We'll see it on the judgment day. That's why, I think that's why Solomon said in the long ago, buy the truth and sell it not. There's a premium on truth. Do you know it? Do you believe it? Have you obeyed it? If you haven't obeyed it, my encouragement to you would be to do that today. Become a New Testament Christian. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Be willing to repent, to turn away from a life of sin, to confess his name before others, to be buried with him in a watery grave of baptism, to rise to walk in newness of life, to know that your sins are washed away, Acts 22:16. God will add you to the church, Acts 2, 47. And if you're faithful till death, the promise is the Stephanos, the crown of life, Revelation 2.10. If your life's not what it ought to be, why not come home today as we stand and sing?